All righty, ladies and gentlemen, automotive enthusiast friends from around the world. It's uh, that time once again. Time for another appreciative episode of V8 Radio, Kevin. Appreciative episode. That's a word I can understand. Yeah, well, it's it's a word I'm feeling quite a bit of today. Hey, right on, right on. Well, me too. I'm glad. I, yeah. I appreciate uh, doing this this crazy thing, and I appreciate everybody who's actually listening. Yeah, that's that. It, that's the bonus. People actually listen. <laughs> yeah, a couple of them. So whoever you are, and you know who you are, you know. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, and we've got a lot going on this episode because I, I want to chat with you about your recent experiences at the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals. But before we uh, start off on that tangent, um, those few who enjoy this show regularly uh, have come to uh, rely on us to deliver a couple of automotive trivia questions on this show. Where in the beginning we ask the question and then. Uh, uh, we bait and switch you and, and provide the answer at the end as a bribery tactic. <laughs> I like the bait and switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they're getting a trivia question and they get an hour full of nonsense instead. Yeah. Uh, we have them right where we want them. That's right. So have you, uh, um, Mr. Mike Hubal-Clark, our esteemed co-host, have you uh, prepared a suitable trivia question for this uh, episode? I Well, that's up to the listener to decide if it's suitable, but I have certainly prepared a trivia question for today. What do you got? And here we go. All right, Kevin, when uh, when you hear the name Richard Petty, mm. typically people will automatically envision the 1970 Plymouth uh, Superbird uh, that he drove on the NASCAR track. But did you know that in the 1969 NASCAR season, another manufacturer lured him away from Chrysler and he drove the 69 in a different car. What manufacturer was that, and what car did he drive? That is a great question, and uh, I believe he deviated completely away from Mopar, so it wasn't like a Dodge into a Plymouth. It was a totally Correct. different manufacturer. Um, I mean, I, I say nothing. Right, yeah, yeah, thank you. So I narrowed that down. See how I did that? <laughs> uh, I'm going to come out, and I'm, I'm not the world's biggest NASCAR historian, um, although I just saw Mr. Petty at the SEMA show. I certainly didn't ask him about this. Uh, well, you missed your opportunity. I, I did. I might as well just go home. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that he, um, he drove a Mercury in 69, and it was a Cyclone is my guess. Mercury. Mercury Cyclone. Yeah. It was either a Ford or a Mercury, but I'm going to say the Mercury. Okay. Is that your final answer, sir? I, I'm, I'm going to say that is, uh, just because I, right. I dig those Mercs, and um, of course, mm-hmm. we, we all dig King Richard, so hey, you know, I, I can't I can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all get participation trophies today, yeah, Kev. How about We're that? We're all winners. And which I'm very appreciative of that. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> All right, then. Kevin says Mercury Cyclone for the 69 season. Duly noted, sir. And have you yourself uh, prepared a suitable trivia question for the masses? I have. I have. Hopefully, uh, you'll be all over this one. So, according to the published media of the time, what is the quickest production car of the 1980s? Hmm... Let's see. Mm-hmm. 
80s was a pretty dismal uh, decade for performance in cars. There were some standouts. There were a couple of standouts. I mean, you did have, uh, let's see, you had a ZR1 Corvette, Ooh, didn't you, yeah. in the 80s? Yeah. Um, you had some You had some IROC Z28, but, you know, they, they had the tuned port 350 uh, injected mm-hmm. engine. They were okay, but the one car that really comes to mind as being just off the charts in performance was the Grand National with the turbocharged 3.8 liter V6 mm-hmm. that was pulling down 13 second quarter mile times uh, in stock configuration. Wow. Mr. Pontiac goes for a Buick. Goes for the Buick. Well, that, that was the standout car of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are, you're right. That was truly a standout car. And uh, is that your final answer? That, sir, is my final answer. <laughs> All right. Well, then I will uh, duly note that. Any particular year or just the Buick Grand National? The question was um, of the entire decade, so it doesn't really matter. But Right. Um, the well, the GNX <laughs> was, the, uh, fat, was the quickest one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that, had a little, that had a hotter turbo. Um, I don't know if it had a better cam in it or not, but it was quicker than the your garden variety, quote-unquote, uh, Grand National. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Certainly is quite a bit more valuable than a Grand National. Yeah, one of 547 made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they go for six figures at auction in, in good condition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to go with the GNX? Yes, sir. So that puts you in 1987. Mm-hmm. 1987 Buick GNX is your final answer. Good answer. Thank you. Good question. Crazy thing about that car, I think it was only 245 horsepower. Yeah, but... I, they moved. It, yeah, it, it sure knew how to lay it down. 345 or 50 foot-pounds. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that has been duly noted. And that was Dig a great uh, a great muscle car of the 80s, and you just got back from the greatest muscle car show in the world. <laughs> How about that? I sure did, Kevin. <laughs> um, I was at the um, 11th annual Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals at the Rosemont Convention Center, which is held the weekend before Thanksgiving every year in, in November. And uh, I was there in place of you because you were in Saudi Arabia during that same time period. Mm-hmm. And as good as you are, you just couldn't be at both places at once. Well, I so, need to clarify that because you probably would have been there anyway. So you weren't like in place I would have been. of me. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, but, I wouldn't have been working in place of you, but... Uh, right. This is true. So I would have been spectating. It, it was uh, um, kind of challenging for me because I obviously wanted to do the show in, in Saudi and it just happened to be the same weekend as the McCacken show. And as you know, the, the, the McCacken show to me is, is the greatest, uh, definitely the greatest indoor car show. Uh, and, and, and as far as car shows, I think it's the best, you know, it's the, to me, it's the greatest assortment of muscle cars and, and mm-hmm. the, the people are what really make that event special. And I think, as you mentioned, this was the 11th year. I've been to almost all of them. Now I've missed mm-hmm. two. I think I missed the first mm. one and now this one. So uh, my internal clock is all wonked out, you know, because <laughs> I'm supposed to be there for that. Right. 
And fortunately, uh, you were able to uh, uh, kind of step up and, and handle some of the uh, responsibilities that I normally have. So I'm appreciative uh, to you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it, you know, that goes both ways. I mean, you trusted me enough to be able to take on that responsibility and, you know, get those interviews and do those unveilings and, you know, be be an agent of, of VA TV and, um, you know, do everything that is that needed to get done on that weekend. And, and we did it. I mean, Ben and I were there and, and a few of the other crew members were there as well. They had things to do, and they were doing it. And um, that was a huge weekend. So, what we need so, to do, I think, is just let's back up to the beginning and yep. and and take us through all the stuff that went down that weekend. Because you you were spinning in a million different directions. Uh, I was. There's a lot going on. Yeah, I, I was a bit nervous. I I, um, I went there Friday night. I met the crew there, and I talked to Bob, and he gave me my uh, official unveiling assignments. Bob Ashton who runs the Bob, show. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, Bob Ashton, organizer of the show, gave me my unveiling assignments and um, the times that I needed to be where I needed to be. And I met uh, uh, a couple of the other people who were doing the unveilings. They, they were there as well, and I met them, and, um, and so, that was pretty cool. So these were the official unveilings of the show. Correct, that you could read about on page 30 and 31 of the latest uh, McCacken magazine that yeah, right comes on. out a few weeks before the show. And one of the things that makes that show so special is that a lot of really high-profile restorers will restore cars <clears throat> that are shown to the public for the very first time at mm-hmm. that show, and then you were part of the team that was pulling the covers off those for the very first time. So there's a big crowd, there's the owner, there's the restore, there's a lot of you know, there's cameras, a lot of yeah. pressure there. A little bit of pressure, and I got my first assignment. The first unveiling started at 9.30, and it happened to be with Scott Hoke from Mecham Auctions, mm. who was unveiling the Bullet Mustang, which is going to be auctioned off at Kissimmee in January. The Bullet Mustang. The Bullet Mustang. Not a recreation. <laughs> yeah. The car that Steve McQueen drove in the movie. Yeah. And side right. note to that... Steve McQueen tried to buy that car hmm. in 1977 off of the family who owned it, and they wouldn't sell it. Wow. Yeah, and, I, and I think the story says McQueen was a little little miffed about that. He wanted that car, but what he couldn't get it. Freaking Steve McQueen. Yeah, exactly. He gets what he wants, <laughs> he right? He gets whatever he wants, except <laughs> yeah. that car. Except that car. So, um, you know, I had never done any of these unveilings before, so I really wanted... I was hoping to get a few more spectator sessions under my belt before I went up. And so my first one was 945. That was the second unveiling. Mm. So needless to say, you know, I'm wound a little tight as it is. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, but at least you weren't first. I mean, you did have some. At, least, to at watch. least I wasn't first. But as as the minutes were approaching. I started getting the same feeling I got the first time I ever went skydiving. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> wow. so imagine being at the at the open door of an airplane at fifteen thousand feet, and every cell in your body is screaming at you, "Do not jump! You're gonna die!" Yeah, right, right. That is the most unnatural <laughs> thing you can possibly do. Exactly, and the, I felt that coming on uh. right before I had to start talking. So like, and I was breaking out in a sweat. But once I jumped out of the plane, 
all of that went away and was replaced with exhilaration and just almost a serenity at, at the floating feeling that, that we had. So, well, I mean, at that point, you can't do anything about it. You're in for the ride. Exactly. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. So once he said, all right, go, I started talking and it felt pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. And so I, you know, I did my thing. I talked to the owner of the car, which was a, uh, or the, the owner of the restoration shop that, um, completed this car. It was a 1968 Cougar GTE, Mm -hmm. which was, um, you know, you you know the Shelby uh, Mustang Hertz rental cars. Well, this was a Cougar Hertz rental car. Oh, right on! I didn't even know yeah. they did that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, they worked with Shelby and Hertz, and you could rent these Cougars. Wow, yeah, pretty neat. And being a GTE, was this uh, a four twenty seven car? I believe it was a four twenty. It was either four twenty seven or four twenty eight. Yeah, they they yeah. made a handful of those yeah. in in four twenty seven top oilers, I believe, and, and mm-hmm. then a, they made a lot of them as four twenty eights. But that would have been the hottest car you could have rented. Oh yeah. yeah, no doubt for sure. So once that was done, the the weight was lifted. That's so cool. And I'm like, all right, this I've made this to be such a bigger deal. That I needed to make it. It's cool. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's this is doable. I can do this. Well, I I tried to tell you all that. I know because I, I knew you were capable of doing this. And on a grand scale, it really really just boils down to being in the moment and chatting with a car guy and talking about the cars, mm-hmm. right? And then a whole bunch of yep. people just kind of want to hear what's going on. Exactly. So that's what they want to hear. They want to hear the guy who's representing the car or who or who owns the car to tell us about the car. Right. And they're not there to watch you tap dance or play trombone or any, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's your mission to kind of step aside and facilitate the stories right. and let it happen. Exactly. Right you're, on. you're on the nose. So, and that's what I did. And the rest of the unveilings went really well. They went really smooth. Um, after the Cougar GTE, I, uh, I unveiled this uh, 1969 Mercury Cyclone spoiler, mm. uh, Dan Gurney edition. Awesome car. Which was, oh, a really special car. Beautiful color scheme, white with a blue top, just perfectly restored, owned yeah. by Marty Burke, and uh, just a beautiful, beautiful car. And he he, and he is big into these, these spoiler cars, mm-hmm. loves them, and he is so happy to have this. And I asked him what his plans were for this car. He's like, this is going to my collection and it is never leaving. <laughs> right on. I said, all right, good deal. So, um, you know, it just kind of dawned on me reflecting on the GTE Cougar. The, of course the, the Shelby Mustangs were the GT 350 H cars because of Hertz rental car. If the Cougar technically that was a GT E H or like the Canadian version, a Cougar GTA. <laughs> <laughs> GTA Take off, eh? <laughs> nice and then you move on to the dan gurney uh, uh cyclone mm-hmm. spoiler and uh yeah. that was uh so that was a 69 right and in 69 Correct. they did a couple of those they did the the dan gurney version gurney. in in blue and there was also the kale yarbrough version which was the red stripe correct yeah yep. 
And what they didn't have a they didn't have a Kale Yarbrough car there, just the Dan Gurney car. Just yeah, that's all. Yeah. Just only the Dan Gurney. Yeah, we'll talk <laughs> about a couple of you know true American legends. Uh, Dan Gurney, oh. of course, is one of my all-time heroes, and and Kale Yarbrough, you know, one of the winningest NASCAR drivers ever, and a super great guy. In fact, we recently, a couple years ago, we had a guy bring us a Kale Yarbrough spoiler to possibly restore, and we started, we didn't get into the car, and he had a, a, a family scenario come up. He, he I think mm. he was getting divorced, so he couldn't oh put the funds into the car at the time, and it mm. was a weird one. It was a 351 two barrel column shift automatic car wow and you would think all those swoopy cyclones would have been bench seat or bucket four speeds yeah yeah that is definitely a factory freak Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. without a doubt we think it was probably one of the only ones one or two i would imagine yeah yeah so uh you were you were super strong on mercury first couple cars out of the box so that must have been yeah Kind yeah, of. that was cool because I, I don't really get into Mercury's all that much. And to learn a little bit more about these cars was really cool mm-hmm. to, to learn and really educational uh, for me. But then I went right into where I belong, which was unveiling a 1969 Ram Air 4 Firebird. Awesome. Done. Oh, beautiful. Done in carousel red. Had the color-coordinated steel wheels with the poverty caps. Beautiful, beautiful car. Black interior, just mm, so well done. And those those hubcaps, do they say PMD on them? Are they like the? Do, do you remember? Are they the, are the ones with the um, little turbine I kind don't of fin looking they, things? I don't, I don't think they said PMD yeah. on there. I'd have to. I don't. I don't remember. I took some pictures of it. I'd have to look at those. Yeah, there's a lot of great pictures of of the McCacken show floating around. Our friend Brad Miles takes ten zillion, and uh, Tim Costello, and and there's a bunch of guys that that take a lot of pictures. And you'll, that, I was living vicariously through all those photographs online. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, of course there's some videos coming out. But so that that uh, Ram Air Four Firebird was a hard top, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no vinyl top, just painted all all over. Beautiful. And uh, I believe it was a four speed car. Um, I don't. I, I. I'd have to look again. Unfortunately, I don't remember if it was a bench seat car or not. Yeah. Um. um it, it could have been either way. I mean, those yeah. those Ram Air Four Firebirds are really really cool. And I remember being uh, um, at McCacken a couple years ago. There's a silver Ram Air 4 400 convertible in the Brothers collection. Ooh. I think that's one of 12. Uh, and Gary Riley from Level 1 had brought out a green convertible as well a few years I ago. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but any of the Ram Air 4 cars, uh, you know, the only bummer about the McCacken show is they couldn't start it up because of the fire laws. Oh, right. To get to hear that yeah, cam. Yeah. We- we needed to hear that Ram Air 4 cam lope a little bit. That would yeah. have been great. And who was the restorer on that one? Uh, that was from American Muscle Car Restorations in out of Rhode Island. Uh, that's uh, Mike Mancini and his team, Yes, right? sir. Yeah. Mike Mancini. He's the one who represented the car. The The owner was a little bit camera shy. So mm. Mike stepped up and represented it and told us all about the car during the unveiling. Or, or of he course, he knows everything about shy, it. Maybe. So, What's he, that? He might have been cue ball shy. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I got a face only a mother could love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, now in years past, 
uh, Mancini's team, their, their setup is pretty cool because he typically brings a lift and you can, you know, walk under the car and stuff. Did he do that again? That He did that this year, yeah. The car was on a big uh, four-post lift and uh, during the day he had it lifted up and you could walk underneath it and check everything out and see the level of detail that they uh, that they achieve with their restorations. And it's, it's quite something. It's amazing. They do amazing work. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah totally. Awesome. Okay, so you got the two Mercuries and you got the uh, the Ram Air Ford Bird. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that the end of your unveiling session, or are we that, we have more to go? Was, that was not the end of my unveiling session. I had one more at uh, at high noon, and that was a really special 1970 Buick GS Stage One car that was that is owned Ooh. by a gentleman named. Yeah, I know you would like it. They're all you very special. That yeah. One. What do you? Yeah. Mean? But this, the, the reason why this one is special is the story that goes with it. And um, it's owned by a gentleman named Joe Guzak, who is the original owner of this car. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And he, got, he worked for um, a wheel company that supplied wheels to Buick. So he had a real end with Buick. He got this, uh, he ordered this GS Stage 1, and he was able to get it painted a Cadillac-only color, called cinnamon fire mist wow Cin- uh, oh man that must have looked awesome on that car it looked beautiful it really it was it was uh, really something that cinnamon fire mist is like a it's like a sunset horizon orange almost exactly but with a lot of yes. pearl and metallic in it mm-hmm. what color was interior please say white black oh I think it was black. <laughs> Even so, white would have, for me, black. that would have been. Oh, white would have been it. Yeah, but black, I'm sure, was uh, still standing tall. Yeah, it was. Ooh. So the thing, uh, Joe was able to get a set of spider wheels for it and had mm. them widened to fit wider tires in there. Mm-hmm. He street raced this car all up and down the streets in Detroit and put it up in 1979 with the idea of restoring it when he after he retired. So throughout his career, he was collecting a bunch of OEM parts, mm-hmm. st- squirreling them away with the car, stashing them away, and just doing this. Well, unfortunately, a few years ago, he had a stroke. Oh. Pr- yeah, pretty bad stroke. And it, it left him confined to a wheelchair. His uh, left side of his body is kind of weak. His speech, his speech was impaired. So... He kind of realized he's like, I'm never going to get my car restored. Oh man! And he kind of yeah, he kind of resigned himself to the fact that it was never going to happen. Well, Joe happens to be a part of this group of guys called the W31 Crew, and they they deal with the Oldsmobile W31s. Mm-hmm. And our good friend Ryan Weaver, who mm-hmm. you who you talked to, you featured him on the last year's Macaque and After Hours live show. Mm-hmm. We got to know him. Good dude. Ryan. He's part of this crew. Yeah. And they, this crew gets together and they were talking about this um, GS. They're like, man, whatever happened to that car? It was so cool. And they found out that Joe still had it. But they, re- they also found out that he was never going to get it restored. Well, these guys decided to take matters into their own hands. They took the car and all of its parts, they took it to a restoration shop, and they pooled their resources, and they got this car restored for Joe. Wow. So he could have it back. And that's the car we unveiled at McAkin. That is that is just so awesome. Oh, it's it's why you, you get into cars with people like that. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. You know, and, and uh 
Man, I'm, I've got chills. That That is awesome on so many <laughs> levels. Um, being a guy who runs a restoration shop and knows how challenging it is for one person to go through a restoration, mm-hmm. never mind getting a bunch of people together to, to manage that. And uh, uh, so it, so they contributed financially to this as well, I'm guessing. Yes. You know, yes, they did. They didn't just haul it over there. They, they helped pay for Correct. it. Wow. Exactly. And, and um, I'm guessing you can't do that without the owner knowing Right. Yeah, Joe knew. But still. And he, but still, what, what a yeah, tribute. That is a fairy tale. Yeah. And uh, and Joe was able to be there at the show, too. So he got to see it. Oh, right we on. got to talk to him. He said something. He says, I hope these guys don't all come collecting on me at once or I'll be in debtor's prison forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, mm-hmm. So even though that car was only... Nine years into its life cycle, when it kind of got parked, if you said it got parked mm-hmm. in '79, uh, it was street raced and, and probably beat up pretty hard. And, and cars in, in Detroit, you know, they live a rough life, a lot of salt, a lot yep. of potholes. So, did you have any insight on, on what kind of shape it was in before the restoration? Did they talk about that at all? Uh, I didn't hear what kind of shape it was in. I'll have to look that up and see if there's pictures. Um, that W31 uh, club is, is a bunch of really good guys, and they kind of have you know, what I'll call their unofficial annual meeting at McCack. And there's usually a bunch mm-hmm. of them there. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably 15, 20 of them that were there. That is and so I great. talked to those guys. Yeah. It, they, they were real sweethearts. I talked to them before the unveiling and they were just, you know, so happy that this yeah. was able to come to be, to be able to do that for Joe. And, uh, they think they must, they must think a lot of him to do that for him. So yeah, it's a good crew, great it, crew. Totally. That, that's super cool. Yeah. That's what you want is to be, uh, like you said, you know, the the the, the hobby or, or sport or, or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it um, in situations like that really brings out the best in people, you know, and I'm gathering that that Joe was probably a guy quick to lend a hand to anybody along the way and it all came back to him. You know? <clears throat> Must have been. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That karma just came back and just bit him in a good way. Yes, right. <laughs> so cinnamon fire mist. What a great yeah. car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Especially being a-, a Cadillac only color, you couldn't even get it on that car. Right. Exactly. Yeah. His is the only one. Yeah. And it's it's official. It was painted at Buick, that color. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that trim tag said. I know some of the um like the GSX cars, the, the trim tag says QQ on it. Uh, uh-huh. and that's a special color. Um oh. my the first 70 Riv I ever had. I'm such an idiot for letting that car go, by the way. I'll tell you, <laughs> you know, that yeah. one was painted in uh, uh, fire red, which was a GS color, and it was not available on Rivieras. Really? And it was special ordered uh, with the white uh. gut. And and I didn't know that Ooh. when I had gotten rid of it. <laughs> I only found you know that, that out a couple you know years what? ago. You know what? You're an idiot for letting yeah. that go. Yeah. Oh, no. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Uh, I, I have a few cars I'm, in, I'm an idiot for letting go. But, uh, yeah, you're in good company, my friend. Yeah. So uh, so now we're talking what? We're, we're at just after noon? Correct. In your and, unva- unveilings? Mm-hmm. And then um, I worked with Ben. That was the last unveiling I had to do. And then we had to get to work for... Mr. Oste here, <laughs> and uh, there was a few interviews we had to get. Uh, we talked to um, we talked to Gary Riley a couple of times. On um, one was that uh, seventy um, 
Daytona Charger mm-hmm. um, that was just on this last muscle car of the week. Yep. And uh, we also talked to him about this Boss 429, which was KK1213, which is thought to be the earliest uh, Boss 429 Mustang that was released to the general public. Yes. Both of those are super amazing cars, and it's pretty cool. So you went from doing the the public unveilings to uh, instant TV producer, right? W- working with uh, Ben, our, our cameraman who works for us, and, and editor and producer, uh, to do some episodes of Muscle Car of the Week. And uh, yeah. again, I wasn't there, and those, you know, you and I had worked together a little bit on on trying to get you those cars ahead of time. Most of those were Brothers right. Collection cars. Uh, mm-hmm. that they had just gotten finished um, and public debuts again at, at the McCacken show for most of those. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you got to be the guy behind the camera then and, right. and asking questions and pulling interviews. And um, so far we've aired two of those. The first one um, was your interview with Bob Ashton. Mm-hmm. Were- that went real well. Yeah, he he's he's good at that. <laughs> oh yeah, that's his thing. <laughs> yeah. Bob is he's not good at it; he's great at it. And and yeah. what I like about um, one of the things I like about that whole show experience is there's no BS. That show True. is the real deal. Mm-hmm. So there's no Batmobile and and General Lee and <laughs> Fast and Furious display. It's only you know, significant and, and legit cars. And of course mm-hmm. they also have car clubs and they have, you know, some modified stuff, but mm-hmm. none of those are gimmicky either. You know, it's all correct for, for true enthusiasts. Yeah. And Bob runs that show uh, with a committee of, of seven other gentlemen and they are all dyed in the wool, legit car guys. They're not there saying, Hey, you know, if we put some trapeze artists in over here, we can make an extra 500 bucks this weekend. They, they are there to put on the world's best show. And when you talk to Bob about it, he's very protective of that show. And he, he's got swagger when he's talking about that show. Sure. You know, he knows, knows what he brought. He does. The show is so pure in nature. I mean, it's, it's muscle cars you know, legit, real deal, street pounding, desirable muscle cars. I mean, and I was talking with a few people and a lot of people agree, you know, you can go to a Pontiac only show and you can see some really cool Ram Air 4 stuff. Maybe maybe somebody has a Ram Air 5 car and you can go to a Ford show. Maybe somebody has a Cyclone. Maybe somebody has a Talladega, you know, or or like a, or a Chrysler show. Someone's got a Superbird or whatever, but only at McCacken does it all come under one roof mm-hmm. and a lot of it. I mean, it's like 500 cars there. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. The yeah. super rare, desirable, yeah. high-end muscle cars. And and every year, so for 11 years straight, it's been a different show. Yep. Uh, which is remarkable to be able to get these top echelon cars year after year in their theme and invitational displays. Uh, one of which was the wing car display, and that's when you mm-hmm. talked to Gary about that Hemi Daytona, which is the second video that we aired. Yep, yep that was a that was a funny that was a funny story that Gary said about that about the first owner of that car and <laughs> yeah. how he was uh, involved in a few improprieties and yes, well Gary and, is... and woke up dead in the field. Yes. <laughs> 
and, and Gary, if you didn't know him, you would think he was more of like a banker than a muscle car guy. He's very, very refined. He's very reserved. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very articulate. He doesn't get, you know, really wound up about anything. And he's telling us this story in the video about how this guy may have been into drugs and, and done some improprieties, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately for him, he was found dead in the field. Yeah, exactly. So it was oh, a great how story. About that? You know, and, and the story kind of matches the car because the car is insane, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Now, was it, it was hard for me to tell uh, in the video, was it, do you know if it was Hemi Orange or or, uh, or was it more red? It was Hemi Orange. Yeah, yeah. It looked like it. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, it was a dog dish. Uh, caps yep. with white pinstripe tires, which I thought yep. were, were awesome. That is legit, man. That is that is correct. Yeah, and so that car, that's the one feature that has gotten people wound up online is mm-hmm. the, the white pinstripe tires. And a lot of people think they were like, you know, the originals blew out, so they went to Montgomery Wards and, and bought some, <laughs> you know, road handlers or something. <laughs> <laughs> Or whatever they were, uh, but uh, that was the tire that was spec for the car. So that's cool that he mm-hmm. he stayed true to that and resisted putting a red line or something else on it. What what I'm really happy wasn't on there was a set of Goodrich BF Goodrich radial TAs. Yeah, yeah, he knows not to do that for sure. Yeah, um, that's a good thing. An option might have been a a Goodyear raised white letter. Oh, uh, true. You know. Uh, mm-hmm. Like a, uh, a f- well, I think all the Hemi cars had 15 inch wheels, so it would have been a, um, you know, a, a 15 inch raised light white letter Goodyear. But at the same time, um, those guys are all about correctness. And when you have a car that's super mm-hmm. rare like that with a factory Hemi, you know, you don't really deviate. True. I mean, that's funny you say that. I, I have a, picture of my father's first 65 gto that he bought brand new and it had white stripe tires on it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's i mean that was a real thing oh yeah that would that was an option that was you could have you opted for that it wasn't just right what came with it you could have either got you could have got the red line you could have got the white stripe or i think or just black wall tires yeah and i, I think you know my armchair quarterback $2 guess here is that the the white stripe tires kind of fell out of favor uh, once they kind of saturated, you know, so they, mm. they originally started off on the luxury cars. You know, of course, the Cadillac had the Vogue tire with the white and the gold, oh, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, my 70 Riv had a, a white stripe tire. It was actually a double white stripe. It's two. Oh, nice. And, and that was the factory issue tire. Um but I think eventually they put them on everything, you know, Pintos to station wagons, and people were just like, <laughs> right. they weren't getting it. And and that's when, you know, in the 70s, you had what, the the Pro Tracks, and you had, uh, mm. uh, you know, the Mickey Thompson tires came out in the 80s, right. and, and uh, of course, the BFGs like you're talking about. So uh, uh, those were the more desirable ones. So it became a raised white letter thing, like you're saying. And then it, it feels like only fairly recently were good red lines reproduced. And everybody mm-hmm. kind of flocked to those. And now it's like, well, if the car came with the, the white pinners, you know, let's do those again. And, and um, they don't offend me. They don't offend me either. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Um, gosh, what else did we do there? Oh, we had another special. Uh, our, another, actually, there was there was a fifth unveiling. Oh. that uh, that we did at the show, and that was That's not right. an official unveiling, but that was for the recently, and I mean recently completed <laughs> blue. <laughs> Tyrol Blue 67 GTO that we've talked about on this show a few times. Yep. And I've been coveting for quite some time. You and me both. And and that show, that car got finished Thursday night before the show. Yeah. And I mean, finished, finished. I mean, all the final assembly, all the adjustments, everything was finally done. And it was brought to the show. And the owners, uh, Janet and Jerry Hilsenbeck, um, came out to see it for the first time we had a nice car cover on it and we did our own little production on there and we introduced them when they uncovered the car and and they were blown away by the level of detail that that car showed and how beautiful i mean beautiful that car was well thank you it for that, really that, that pop, pops that was really awesome and that car you know like you said we've been talking about it for a while that was restored by our team at the v8 speed and resto shop yeah. and for, this was um you know, you can imagine, you know, you had your stress level of, of doing, you know, stepping outside of your, I don't want to say your comfort zone, but your familiarity zone, you know, doing something different mm-hmm. and especially in sure. public. Uh, well, Kelly and I were on the other, literally on the other side of the planet. Mm-hmm. And it just turned out that uh, this beautiful blue GTO was getting finished right around the time of the McCacken show. And the owners are native to the Chicagoland area. So we thought, hey, why not see if we can get this car unveiled or at least presented or on display at the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals? And I knew we couldn't do one of the official unveilings because those are locked up months and months in advance. But mm-hmm. um, we thought it'd be fun and, and, a, and a nice experience for the owners uh, if we did our own kind of unveiling. And I really appreciate you putting the effort in to help that happen. And our crew, as you were mentioning, uh, you know, they were darn near working on this car in the trailer on the way up to Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trevor, I guess, you know, our, our guys, Trevor, Tyler, and Mike, and Jeff, and Tim, mm-hmm. and Brett. Um, I think. John. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Clemens. John was up. Yep. Uh, all went up there. Um, to be a support network. Trevor and Tyler mm-hmm. had the truck and trailer and they, they booked out first. Um, mm-hmm. And then Ben came up, of course, for uh, for the video side. But you were telling me that uh, I didn't know this because I, I think they wanted to save our sanity a little bit. Uh, we were in <laughs> communication with those guys, but not to the same degree you were. Literally, you know, a few hours before, that car was still partially disassembled yeah. before they left. <laughs> Well, that's the McCacken thrash, yeah. and like you said, like we've said before, you don't wait to the last minute, but you take every minute available to you. Right, right. Chip, and, your buddy and they Chip literally said did. That. <laughs> yeah, Fruce yeah. said that. That's yeah. right. And mm-hmm. you know, in specific, some of the things that they were still working on is is when you do a restoration like that. And that car was bad when it came in; it was a mess. It, it looked like it got dragged out of a lake. I mean, the bottom was all rusted and it was in a brown Oof. brown primer and parts falling off and everything. So extensive, extensive metal work happened and and body and paint and trim restoration, interior. Uh, that's, that's one of the first cars um, that we have done the full interior on custom in our in-house. Uh, that Is that our, right? That our interior shop did, yeah. So there was a lot of, a lot of work going into it. And as that deadline was creeping up and creeping up, they didn't get a chance to really drive it much. 
Mm-hmm. And it threw us a couple of curveballs before um, Kelly and I left to go out of town. I think it was actually before SEMA. Uh, Trevor was driving the car and uh, it bent a couple push rides. Did you hear that story? I did hear that story. Yeah. That <laughs> broke my heart nearly. <laughs> so it was a, a situation where it had a, a bad guide <clears throat> plate in a couple of cylinders and mm-hmm. and the... Um, the push rod wore funny and it, it wore a ridge in the side of it and it hung up and, and stuck on the guide plate Oof. and bent the push rod. So luckily, um, so the engine was already rebuilt before it came to us. Granted, it was mm-hmm. rebuilt in the 80s, but it only had about oh, a thousand miles on it. She was. Uh, and it had been sitting. And whoever rebuilt the engine used a mismatch of guide plates. So, Oh, really? When our guys were doing the forensic disassembly on this thing, they're trying to figure out what happened um, because there was, you know, the push rods were all the same length and the uh-huh. rockers were the same ratio and, the you know, the compression was the same all the way across. <clears throat> and I think uh, either Mike Bess, our mechanic, or, or Trevor – flipped over the uh the guide plate and noticed some of them had part numbers on them and some had different part numbers on them oh and they were from different manufacturers and and that was the issue so so that pushed everything back and it 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 reduced the drive time as they had to wait for parts and in the 11th well the 23rd hour i guess (laughs) um they were they were trying to get a few more miles on this car and it was getting hot you know, and they'd already done the, the the standard Pontiac tricks of clearancing the water pump to that little backing plate, uh, the impeller, and it had an aluminum radiator in it and all this stuff. And they, they were adding more fans to it and making a new fan shroud and, and changing the Good thermostat Lord. around. You know, everything they could do, but they got it and, and got it loaded. Um, the day before, I did see pictures after the fact, uh, both doors were off the car. Because the hinges had worn out just during the assembly process, which sounds ludicrous, but the way this stuff goes, when we build a car, um, we put a set of new hinges on it or rebuild the originals, and we resist the urge to lubricate them so that they will accept paint. If you you lube up the hinges during the metalwork process and and forget about all that, um, the whole you know, pillar and structure will get a mm-hmm. thin film of oil on it. And then uh, when you're in the paint booth, you'll have problems. So they've been using kind of like a dry dust graphite type lubricant, which okay. apparently wasn't enough. And, and the, the bronze bushings chewed up and all of a sudden the door didn't fit right. Oh boy. After it was all assembled, you know? So these are some behind the scenes stories of what happens on these type of restorations that nobody plans mm-hmm. for and nobody did right. nobody had a a failure of procedure or anything mm-hmm. it's just you know as my dad used to say SH which is mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> An acronym for stuff happens. Stuff happens. Right, stuff happens. But they got it all together. They got it up there. And uh, like you were saying, apparently uh, our friends, the Hilson Becks, were uh, were pretty jazzed about seeing it. Yeah, in fact, they were so jazzed, we actually did the unveiling twice. Mm. Because um, Janet and Jerry showed up there in the morning, and we did the unveiling. Unfortunately, the rest of the family wasn't able to be there until later in the afternoon. So we decided they were coming. We covered the car back up. When they showed up, we did our, the second unveiling just for them. And they were blown, They were just as blown away by the car as Janet and Jerry were. And uh, there, were, there were three generations there. You know, Janet and Jerry, their kids, 
and their grandchildren were there. And the grandchildren had shirts made that said, Grandpa, give me a ride in your 67 GTO. <laughs> right on. Yeah, and they're climbing all over the car and you know, oh, just loving yeah. it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's their car now. <laughs> yeah, your OCD must have been going insane. <laughs> oh, I did, I did not like that. <laughs> but, uh, well, but, uh, you know, kids are going to be kids and, you know, it is what it is. So at the end of the day, it is just a car and, yeah, let them play. They do have a big family, and it was really cool to see them all out there, you know. And uh, mm. uh, it was nice of you guys to uh, pull that cover. And, and also, you enlisted uh, your buddy Paul Weinstein and some of the uh, Cruising Tigers uh, Pontiac Club to come hang out. Yes, we sure did. They they uh, got to see the unveiling, and in fact, they stepped up and they uh, presented to Jerry a complimentary club membership to the Cruising Tigers All Pontiac Club. And he's he's so all cool. official now. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it's a great community. People come together, and they want people to have a great experience, and they sh- they certainly did. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better time to, sh- to see your car for the first time after it's been gone through a restoration. Yeah. I think. Could you imagine, you know, all these people that you don't know, and then they'd be uh, at that show, and and yeah. no doubt uh, other people that were just walking by were digging the car because you know it it looked like jewelry in that building. It drew a tremendous crowd around it throughout yeah. the day. Yeah, that's people so great. People loved hear. it. They loved it. Yeah. What I really loved about it was you you mentioned that the uh, the interior was done in house the well the seats were not done in a traditional 67 GTO pattern they were actually a Chevelle pattern but they looked great in that car they <laughs> yeah. really looked dynamite <laughs> well they really looked good the car is you know kind of technically a resto mod because it it has its numbers matching <clears throat> 400 and and turbo 400 transmission I believe it's the original motor, but it's got a Fitech fuel injection system on it. It's mm-hmm. got a BMR suspension, tubular suspension setup. It's got mm-hmm. four-wheel disc brakes. Um, it's got vintage air. It's got a Dakota mm-hmm. dash. Um, and then the seats were done differently. And part of that was, be- I think there might've been a two-fold story there. Um, one, I think the availability of the 67 pattern for GTO mm-hmm. seats was like, <clears throat> on unobtainium back order. Oh wow. Um and and you know what the car is supposed to look like. That that pattern yeah. goes vertically the long yes. way up and down the mm-hmm. seat. It's got a stitch in it. Um but the Chevelle stuff was available and our team looked at it and discussed with the owner the Chevelle pattern goes horizontally but it matches the door panels of the GTO. Exactly. Exactly. It really tied in nicely with yeah. the rest of the 67 interior. So it wasn't very offensive. They're, they're the same buckets, you know, the same guts yeah. for either car. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a neat thing. And only a few people caught that. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't know they were Chevelle seats, but I knew they weren't stock, a stock pattern. Right. For, for GTOs. But it didn't bother me a bit. I well, mean, the, if, it, if it works, it works. The real wild ones were like the 65 where they went on an angle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those are cool, too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this was a modified car, but the cool thing is at the McCacken show, uh, so we had the car judged and we entered it in that modified class, which means they're not looking at a hundred percent concourse correct because obviously you can, you can do some modifications, mm-hmm. but the car scored really, really well. It scored, what was it? 997 out of a thousand? Nine, yep. 997 out of a thousand. Yeah. So... 
and in that case, you know, so how do you score a modified car? You really look at the car versus itself. It, it wasn't that car versus another GTO that was there or whatnot. And the judges mm-hmm. look at the level of detail, the quality, the fitment, you know, do the parts kind of fit in harmony? I mean, we had a custom firewall and that thing, you know, a handful of stuff. So for the judges to say, hey, you know, 997, what that's telling you is that the team cared a hundred percent from the beginning to the end of the planning stages to the execution to the fit and finish, you know, mm-hmm. all the way across. That car is just about the best that it could be in the minds of those judges. So that's really, oh, really cool. It is it's super cool. I mean, and it was so well executed. Everything fits so nice together. The gaps were great. It was mwah, very nice. Well, Cue ball approves. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sure to pass that along. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm sure they know because I was drooling all over it the whole the whole weekend. Yeah. Well, and again, the, uh, we're very very fortunate that our team uh, really cares about this stuff and they love doing it. And uh, one thing that was pretty interesting on that particular car is that, um, for the most part, I think everybody that worked on it when it arrived in our shop was there when it was unveiled. That's amazing. Because it was like a couple of years, you know, it was a, you know, a long yeah. progress project. Um, and that's a testament to the team. Cause we don't, we don't have a lot of turnover. You know, we we've, mm-hmm. we've added a few positions and we've had, you know, one or two leave, but for the mm-hmm. most part, um, I love the fact that, uh, that the guys who dragged it off the trailer were the ones that, you know, were there when the cover got pulled because too many times, uh, Kelly and I will be the ones that go to events and we'll take a car there and everybody will be, you know, gushing over how great this car is, but the Mm -hmm. people that actually worked on it aren't there. You know, they're not there to get that, that, uh, afterglow and get all the, uh, accolades and the pats on the back. And sometimes it shows that are real close to us, um, weekend stuff or whatnot, we can do that. But when you're at an event that is a high level show, like the muscle car and Corvette nationals, mm-hmm. just to be in that building is something else. Oh yeah. That's an achievement. Yeah. And then to yeah. actually unveil the car, have happy owners, have happy reception, and then to score all that, knowing that, you know, your two hands were a big part of making that happen. Uh, that that was a win every oh. every way possible. Home run, grand slam, home run every time, yeah. every time. Yeah, that was so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and over the years we've been fortunate that. Uh, so that's the I think that's the fourth car that we've had judged at the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals, all of them in modified classes, and mm-hmm. that I think is the highest scoring. I think we had two that scored. 97s out of a thousand i think we did 195 and 1993 i think Hmm. so uh that tells you that it tells you a lot it tells you that all those cars were v8 speed and resto complete cars from start to finish uh Mm -hmm. where they came in sometimes in boxes and and they left show winners um, so when we have the opportunity to work with a customer from the very beginning to the very end and plan everything and execute, uh, the team scores, you know, nearly perfect every time, uh, which is an amazing tribute and they've done it repeatedly, you know? That's, so that's huge. I, oh, man. I, I'm gushing like the proud father here, but these, yeah. these guys deserve it totally. Well, you should be, you yeah, should be. Yeah. Very, very <clears throat> fortunate. It's so great to see. 
Yeah, I really, I really liked it. Um, one, one more thing that I got to do at the uh, at the Muscle Con Corvette Nationals was um, I got to award the Kevin Osti Celebrity Pick for the show, <laughs> and celebrity is in multiple sets of quotes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny because I won I, when I got there Friday, and uh, Ben and I were walking around. I said, "Oh, I probably need to get my credentials uh, for the show." And uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, we'll go to the office and we'll get them." Or, or I went to some lady uh, at the front gate uh, of the entrance of the show, and I said, "Yeah, I need to get my credentials." And I gave him my name. Like, I don't, I don't have you here, hon. I'm like, oh boy. Okay, so we went to the office and happened to run across Bob. And um, we got it straightened out. It was still under your name. And because the lady behind the counter said, oh, is it a pick? And he said, Bob says, yeah, it's a pick. It's like, oh, okay. I said, what's a, what's a pick? <laughs> and she says, well, hon, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. See this? You take this and you put it on a car that you pick that you think is the best car. I said, really? Ah, nice. Yeah. That's a heck <laughs> of a responsibility. This is going to be great. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so um, so I'm walking around the show on Friday, and I see this yellow car in the barn find section. Mm. And at first, I thought, is that a is that a Pantera? Mm. And I walked up, and I got closer, and there was a sign on it, and it said AMC AMX three prototype. Yes, number one, number one, number one. And I'm like, this is. This is a really cool car, and I'm looking around at it. I'm yeah, like, wow, it that's real. That's really neat. And uh, so I keep walking around the show, keep walking around the grounds there, and uh, I got to pick. I got to pick. I got to do a celebrity pick. This is this is the real thing here. Mm-hmm. I got to do the right thing. So I'm walking around, you know, and I see phenomenal cars all over the place. I can't get this AMX prototype out of my head. I said, that's it. I got to pick it. I got to pick it. The next day, I went up to the show. I went to the to the two gentlemen who were presenting the car. I said, "Hey guys, I'm Mike. I'm I'm Mike I'm from V8 TV. I'm an industry guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an industry guy, and I'm here to give you my celebrity pick." <laughs> and uh, they're like, "Holy cow, that's great!" And um, got their picture taken. And this car is, is amazing. It was it's a '69 AMC uh, AMX Prototype Three, and um, there was about nine of them made from AMX. Okay. They were never put into production. This car was purchased from AMC by a gentleman named Scotty Dawkins, who worked for AMC. Okay. All he had to do was have it shipped from Italy for $400, and the car was his. Really? Really. He owned the car for a number of years, kept it on the down low, didn't want a whole lot of people knowing he had it, obviously, for security reasons. Unfortunately, in 2016, he passed away, and um, the car went to the family, and the family didn't really have the resources to restore the car. The car was pretty rough, so they sold it to a couple of guys named Michael Chikuti and Kyle Evans, and they're going to take this car, and they're going to restore it. So having it at the Muscle Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals was like its last public showing before it gets restored. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. And you can follow along with the restoration if you go to amx3.org. Okay. And there's also a Facebook page dedicated to it. AMC underscore AMX3 is the name of the group on Facebook, if you want to check that out. Well, that car kills. And and it's so great that you picked that because that's probably what I would have picked anyway. 
Really? I, I would hope so. I mean, you and I kind of think a lot, think alike on some of these cars, and that car just really was was such a departure from anything else that was there. Yeah. Well, you you yeah. truly absorbed my role there because uh, yeah. you know you stepped in to do the unveilings and the interviews, and you picked exactly what I would have grabbed. And and the funny thing about that car, so you're right, it does look like a Pantera. I didn't know it was in Italy. Um, yeah, it was it was designed in Italy. Yeah, it looks like it was, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. And so I guess all the prototypes were built in Italy, and then... I believe so, and then shipped out to the United States. And it's very unusual for prototype cars to even get into the hands of consumers, yeah. right? Normally, they all get crushed or, or put mm-hmm. in a museum or something. So that's really cool, and I believe... Um, we had a little bit of a connection to that car a couple years ago when it went up for sale. If you're saying in 2016, that, that makes sense kind of on the time frame. Mm-hmm. Although I thought it might've been earlier than that, but anyway, um, there's still a couple of those things around. I think three still exist. I think you're right on that. Yeah. So it might've been one of the others, but it was a yellow one. I thought, um, we yeah. have a customer, uh, a guy that we, we did a lot of work on, a. um, 69 Mach 1 Mustang and he lives in Elgin, Illinois. And when that car came up for sale, he sent me a, uh, a message on it. And he's like, you ever seen one of these before? Cause I'm thinking about buying it. And I oh, went, wow. really, what is it? And I learned a little bit about what the AMX three was. And, and he was talking that if he got it at the right price and, and depending on what it needed, possibly sending it to our shop to have us do some work on it. So, you know, that, I've never seen the thing in person, but the idea had already been kind of entertained that we might have had the mm. opportunity to do something on that car. So for you to walk wow. in and go, that's the car, that's that's really cool. Yeah, that's that's like six degrees of separation, kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it neat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> little... yeah, such a cool car. Kind of kind of like Mach 5-ish in the front end a yeah. little bit. Kind of reminds you of the Mach 5. Just a super sleek just beyond its time car. Well, it's uh, it's a bummer that it never went into production because, you know, I bet that that that's the kind of car that would have had other automakers kind of shaking in their boots, I think. Well, funny you say that because it actually did. Um, <laughs> there was uh, in 71, this this is the story that I was told to by uh, Ian Dawkins, who was Scotty's son, who was at the, at the, at the show, mm. that... This prototype was driving on the streets in Detroit, and one of the Ford engineers saw it and freaked out. I bet. Because they were working on the Pantera at the time. Mm. And they said, holy cow, AMC is going to scoop us on this. We have to get this Pantera released, and we have to get it released now. Wow. So they, they rushed it to production, and it was just full of problems. They all had to get recalled to be fixed, and it was... Just not a great release. All because of this car, this AM, this AMX3. Wow, so the AMX3 moved Ford's needle to rush the Pantera to production. Yes. Wow, that's unbelievable. I'm yeah, wondering crazy. now if, if the Ford GTs, you know, that were just kind of featured in the Ford versus Ferrari movie, mm-hmm. um, created a, a public desire for that type of, you know, mid-engine sports car. I wonder Maybe. if that was part of the impetus for Ford to to work with Di Tommaso on the Pantera and and AMC to develop that thing because you know now all of a sudden there was this exotic car uh you know supercar thing happening yeah. in racing and, and That's a good point. 
I, I would like to maybe research that and see if that had anything to do with those cars. And I, I don't know if there was any others like GM. I think at that point, Chevrolet did show a mid-engine Corvette prototype. Yeah, they uh, did. The Corvette Monza or something they called it. I don't remember. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and then there was the Lotus Europa, which had kind of that flat deck in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, bread wagon, they called it. Um, <laughs> but I wonder if there was any others. Hey, it's very interesting. I'll have to yeah. make some notes. Could be a good trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey now. <laughs> and speaking of which. <laughs> hey, hey, great segues today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to back up just a second, say thanks once again for, for stepping in and doing all that. Um, I knew you were going to do just fine with it. I love the fact that it, it pushed you a little bit out of your comfort zone because that that's how oh, we grow is, you know, that is exactly how we grow. And, and I love the fact that our team was able to manage the completion of a car and the unveiling and the delivery to the customer without Kelly and I, you know, being the bosses, seeing it finished. Right. So we didn't even mm-hmm. see this thing finished to, to sign off on it. And they made it perfect and did it all on their own and, and made that sing. And the rest of our crew went up there to share and that experience. And you guys all got to eat good. So I'm a little jealous yeah. of that. <laughs> right. Well, you got to come up a little more often, man. I know. I guess everybody <laughs> went to Diagostino's Pizza right. and, and ate there. And then, of course, uh, the Portillo's restaurant on the way home and on the way there. Everybody enjoyed that. So uh, it was, sounded like a really great trip. So it, it was a great trip. At the end, I was absolutely exhausted, however. But <laughs> it was, I was exhilarated and exhausted at the same time. A lot of walking, a lot of standing, a lot of doing. It was great, and I, I cannot thank you enough for thinking enough of me to put me into that role and help me grow and get me out of that comfort zone and, and do all that. It's dynamite. Absolutely, man. I, so thank like you. I said, there, I, there was no doubt in my mind that you were going to pull this off and, and help us look good and, and perpetuate what what the V8 brand is all about. It's you know entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's quality work. It's uh, people that care. So that, that's, that's really cool. So thank you. Right on. Uh, and now let's get trivia questions wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. <laughs> All right. Speaking of trivia questions. All right, Kevin, I asked you in the 1969 NASCAR season, what manufacturer lured Mr. The King away from Plymouth or from Chrysler? And what car did he race in the 69 season? And you said... The Mercury Cyclone. Yeah. You were so close because it was Ford, but it was for the, the Torino, Torino Talladega. Talladega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn near so the same close. car. Right, right. Yeah, so I, damn near the same car. I guess I, I, inside I would have wished it was a Mercury, but uh, that's all good. Yeah, right. Missed it cool. by that much. All right, well, all right. Uh, speaking of missing it by that much... Um, oh no! <laughs> I thought I was dead on on this one. Well, you 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 really came super super close. Um, you had uh, the question posed to you of what was the quickest production car of the 1980s, mm-hmm. and being a an egocentric American. <laughs> oh uh, man! You immediately oh, thought no. that we were speaking of American cars only. I- I did. Yeah. I did. Well, the question was the quickest production car of the 1980s. You guessed the 1987 Buick GNX, which was a uh-huh. super quick car. Uh-huh. Uh, you're right, 13s in the quarter off the showroom floor. 
But the Porsche 959 did 0 to 60 in 3.6 seconds. All-wheel drive, All-wheel drive, twin turbo. uh, You suck. God dang it. You tricked me. No, I didn't trick you. 12 flat (laughs) in the quarter mile um, and Mm. uh, still one of the high benchmarks. So, yeah. GNX would have lost. but uh, I'm... I'm going to make a prediction here. Uh-oh. And our good friend Frank Simkowski mm. plays along the trivia questions That's in right. real time. I'm going to say he agrees with me on the GNX. <laughs> well, he's got a GN. His son Frankie's yeah. got one. So, yeah. Correct. Um, I'm not taking anything away from the GNX, but this no, was no, an no, example no. No, of you got to listen to the question. Yeah, right. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> we're both losers once again <laughs> i accept my defeat and protest <laughs> uh, oh, man. well i think uh that all worked out pretty well considering um that you're right the gnx was a, was a really killer car so mm-hmm. as and again if that was an american i think that was the quickest american car so you can have I that i believe it was i i do remember hearing that in the 80s Mm-hmm. When the when the Grand National came out, it is the quickest production car available today in 1987. Yeah, yeah. So the, and the, blew the, the vet away, blew the the Camaros away, blew everything away. The King of the Hill uh, ZR1 Corvette was right there with it. I think mm-hmm. after the quarter mile, the Corvette was gone. But yeah, in the I, quarter I would mile, agree with that. the GNX was there. And you know, I would have thought you would have gone for the uh, Turbo Trans Am. What? Yeah. Not the 80, the 89. Oh, oh okay. I'm like, what? The 301 Turbo Trans Am? No, the white the pace dog? car. The, the Indy pace car uh, or anniversary edition with the 3.8 GNX driveline in it. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, the, the Buick is the first thing that came to mind, so that's mm-hmm. what I went with. There you go. Well, you can have that one. Thank you. All right. Well, listen, this, this was a great episode. Thank you again for your uh, uh, participation and McCacken and the great updates and the stories from it. Um, I, I feel closer to have been there. I, I still miss going to that show, but uh, that was mm-hmm. the next best thing. And uh, now the fun thing is I get to watch your work with Ben and I get to be a spectator on Muscle Car of the Week, which was right also a first because uh, I've been directly involved with absolutely every single episode since day one. And I, you know, yeah. I, I, I was involved with the ones that you guys shot, you know, kind of picking the cars and getting some of the research. Right. But right, right, uh, right. I wasn't there when they were shot and that's never happened before. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to see those episodes the way the rest of the public sees them and, mm-hmm. and be able to consume those. And one thing that I thought was fun, and I, 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 I think you went back and saw this, that little Easter egg in that Hemi Daytona episode. Yes. Where I uh, did see that. Did you see it? Yeah. So Ben. Yeah used a video technique to extend the length of a shot by running the shot its full length and then rerunning it, but backwards. So instead of going from beginning to end, it went from beginning to end then back to beginning. And it Mm -hmm. buys you more screen time. It allows you to stretch out a shot. The other way to do that is to digitally slow it down and extend it that way. But that often looks unnatural. Okay. But in this case, uh, he didn't account for the reflection, and I think it's you in the reflection. Uh, I, I think it is me. <laughs> walking by the car, and then all of a sudden you walk backwards past the car. Yeah, and then forward again. <laughs> like I do a little cha-cha-cha. <laughs> yeah, like a Meow Mix commercial. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Oh, that's yeah. brilliant. So <laughs> I advise all of our listener to uh, go back and, <laughs> and, and watch that video, and you'll see a shot of the side of the car and Mike taking his little two-step back and forth. <laughs> Good Lord. That's beautiful. <laughs> We've gotten uh, uh, in... A little bit of you know you know not not trouble, but people have picked up on that technique a couple of times. One time, we we're extending a shot and, and running it backwards, and I think it was just because the the way the camera moved in the shot, it was visually mm-hmm. visually more comfortable if the shot panned from left to right instead of right to left. You know, with the, oh, right. the sequence, and mm-hmm. to do that, it got flipped in reverse. And way off in the distance, there's like a Volkswagen driving backwards down the street. You know, God dang it! Yeah, and, and the other one was uh, there was a shot of a clock in a dashboard uh, running backwards, and I think that was the, done oh. for the same reason because we did a pan I of see. the dash and we had to flip it to make it match. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think those are fun. I like to leave those in. I like. I, I think it's fun when people find something you know, mm-hmm. in, in the shot and go, Hey, you know, what's that? You know? So those are, those are yeah, pretty, that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. Why not? All right, my friend. Well, this was a lot of fun. Um, we, uh, we have to rely on a list now of all the places that you can find this show, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, which I don't have in front of me right now. Do you? Oh boy. I do. All right. You can find us on iTunes, Apple podcasts, Spotify, tune in, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, V8Radio.com, as well as the V8 Radio Podcast Facebook page. Wow. We, we, we have more places to listen than people listening. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> right on. <laughs> That's our new goal for uh, for next uh, next show. We need at least one lister on all channels. Uh, oh, that'd be beautiful. That would. That would. All right, I got to start calling relatives again. You're right. We have listeners across multiple platforms. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, this is a lot of fun. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, uh, you bet. And uh, we're gonna do this again real soon. Go back through that list, play it again. If you want to hear where we're at, you can subscribe to a lot of those. We hope you do. Or just check mm-hmm. us out on the Facebook page. That's an easy one. And uh, you can join Frank Simkowski with comments uh, as the trivia questions play. Yeah, don't let him have all the fun. That's right. Join in. That's right. So for Mr. Mike Cuball clark I'm Kevin Oste, uh, reminding you to uh, keep the shiny side up, and we will talk at you next time on VA Radio. <laughs>